Hello. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hello, doing Dan. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. All right. All right. Big week. Big week. Huge week for mm. yeah. Star Wars. I want to consider yourself fortunate you're here for the first official day of me having what I think is the flu. Uh, yes. Yay, it's the most wonderful time. <sighs> that sucks. Yeah. Didn't yeah. you Didn't you get your flu shot to prevent the cold and flu? From getting... You know what? No. I didn't, and my family did, and I'm, I'm the goat. Well, you know what, though? You don't have to worry about getting them sick if, if the vaccine this year is more than the 13% effective it was last year. Last year was a bad year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is my, is my level okay? Yeah, your level's you're great. You sound good. Yeah, I should have done it. I should have done it. You can go and they'll just mist your nose or, you know, I, I, you know, they say apparently I can still go and get it. I don't know if that'll help because I've already got it, but I don't know. No, you it, can't. I don't, I think there was a thing for a while that you could do if you take it when it first sets in. Maybe you do that if you're into that kind of thing. It's like a plan B for flus. <laughs> yes. What? It broke. How do you how do you know that you're um <laughs> what? Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll add that on. Mm-hmm. Uh how do you know that mm. you are fluish and not a cold or another virus in your How case? do I know I'm legitimately bronchial? Yes. That's a good question. <clears throat> well, hmm. Do you care? Yeah, of course I care. Thank you, Dan. I um I had to do a trip last week, and so I was on a fart tube full of long pigs twice last mm, week. Ooh. I was on a plane for thirteen hours. Yeah, uh, there and back, and you know, then I had to touch stuff in my room, which was a nice room. It was a Marriott. Yeah. Um, but I did touch stuff. I used the remote extensively, and you know, as much as I try to be good, you know, I it's it's kind of unbelievable that we that I don't get sick more often, but. Who knows? Who knows? Um, that, so I'm pretty sure that's why. And then I got home uh, on Saturday. Saturday night, I, I won't say I slept 12 hours because it was a little fitful, but I was in bed for 12 hours. And then Sunday night, I was in bed for 12 hours. I had terrible uh, back pain. So either I'm having kidney failure, which I hope it isn't. Oh, uh, man. I'm, I might have some kind of a sudden death problem. No, no. Is that a thing? Can you get sudden death? I mean, people have gotten that. You get that in sports, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. How do you know that, that spending that much time in bed isn't what gave you the flu? Oh, my God. The call's coming from inside the Casper. Dan, it's a new kind of hybrid mattress. Better yeah. nights and brighter days. You haven't heard the episode yet, have you? Uh, not yet, but I've, I've heard the talk about it, and it's, it, is, it is probably number two in my listening list for today. Roderick on the line wants to be your number two. <laughs> That's um, the goal. That's your long term. That's your... That's yeah. your stretch goal. That's my stretch goal. You got to have a bunch <laughs> of them. Patreon me. Uh, yeah. So we, um, I made the mistake of having John participate in the uh, the reads for the program, and we had a twenty five minute uh, ad for Casper. I heard Did about it? that. Oh boy, John talked a lot about a mattress he's had for twenty years, <laughs> twenty one years. He has scabies on it. Oh no! Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for you. It's a good episode. Oh, and the I point is, wait. the Casper is a new kind of hybrid mattress. Hybrid mattress. You want to just do the spot now? That's our that's our sponsor. We just why don't you just drop in the twenty five minute spot with John talking about his green paisley mattress (laughs) or purple purple paisley? Oh man, John's got a lot of purple in his life. How's it going, Dan? Happy holidays! Thank you. We we missed Hanukkah. We didn't really joyous joyous Kwanzaa octo Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. That's an octo holiday. Mm -hmm. That's lights, right? Uh, Festival of lights. 
Festival of Lights. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, is that kind of a, a backdoor holiday? Excuse me? Um, my question is, that's not, <laughs> did I hear, maybe I listen to too much NPR, but I feel like I heard that in Judaica, historically, before the 20th century. Nah, you're, I know where you're going with this. You got the big ones. You got the I'm Sorry Day. Uh, you've got the Bitter, Bitter Roots Day. And Rosh Hashanah, got- Yom Kippur, and Passover are the big ones. And then to sort of compete... That's, that's, that's the Holy Trinity in Judaism. Right, yes. Okay. The High Holy Days, as we call them. Uh, and, uh, and yes, Hanukkah was more like it was a it was kind of a junior it was like a pre, the president's day of judaism i was gonna say the arbor day yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that works too and yeah. uh and and i think it's, it's one of those holidays you mainly learn about because you have a kid in school that's right and uh, you know we had like the maccabees and you had little songs and stuff like that to go with it but it kind of i think in order to you know to compete with uh with christmas they kind of inflated it to uh High Holy Day status in a way to give kids something to look for and social look promotion. For. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember being a kid and walking around, and, and things were much less politically correct thirty, forty years ago than they are today. So it was it was totally okay to say Merry Christmas to everyone, and yep. and if and if someone balked at that, they had the problem. Yeah. So then you know then we had we had hanukkah and uh, and now there's a little hanukkah section right there in the in the target you can go and buy your plastic menorah and your stars of david and all that good stuff yeah you guys invented miracles i mean we kind of stole <laughs> you know, that from y'all yeah um duh. yeah but all, huh i said duh <laughs> <laughs> so what what uh, what did oh, we invent lows and fishes i like that better one it was called the burning bush <laughs> right Look it up. Right. Exodus, bitch. Yeah, manna. Woo! Manna. Yeah. Have you ever had manna? Is that, is that paleo? Uh, I, bet man, I bet manna is seriously not paleo. I tried to get to... I remember this in Hebrew school. I was I was very interested in the details. And oh, yeah, sure. I, my, uh, one of my teachers who was telling us the story of the time spent in the desert and all that, he said, talked about, you know, it was, it was very much like the, the scene in, our, in our, one of our favorite movies, Raising Arizona, where he's like, when we ran out, ran out of crawfish, we, we ate, we, granddad, we ate sand. You ate you what? Ate sand? We ate sand. It was like that. I'm like, what was, what was the manna? He's like, it was food. I'm like, what kind of food was that? He's like, it was sustenance. <laughs> what does sustenance mean? I was probably 12. Like, yeah, no kidding. Like, like seriously, uh, you know? Yeah, put a, put, a, put a little bit of lacquer on that pork belly. What are we talking about here? Yeah, he it said, sounds we, like it rained bread. But you know what? It, it wasn't bread, and you couldn't. Hmm. You you couldn't keep it or save it or hoard it. You could only take what you what you needed, and I think there was some rule you could bring it back for your kids or something. But if you tried to like save it for the next day, oh, it would it would go bad. It wouldn't. You wasn't. you had to find a non Jew to hoard it for you. No, right? no, 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 you, you can have a, a, a managoy. No, no. <laughs> But this, these, oh, these were little this. details so, I wanted. I wanted to know. I, I, surprises, I and surprises. Someone has left a large basket of bread outside our door. <laughs> what a what a coincidence! Because <laughs> everyone in the, in the Old Testament is Jackie Mason. That's, that's I'm, not, I'm, I'm not permitted to hoard this myself. <laughs> uh. um, yeah, miracles. Miracles are a thing. Now, pound for pound, are there more miracles in uh, in the in the new book or your version? Oh well, Jesus, Jesus dropped a lot of pretty serious miracles. I think the in 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 typical fashion, the 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 new one tries to outdo the old one in sheer number oh, right. of fantastical. Yeah. So I typical, would say the new. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right because you got to keep the franchise fresh, right? I mean, if if you if the second version, uh, the second the sequel, if you will, doesn't mm-hmm. have bigger explosions than the first one, then what good is it? Yeah, and you got to add a Yoda puppet and stuff like that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, you guys got let's see, you guys got the uh, you got Noah and the flood, right? Pretty dark. You got Job, not God's finest hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Daniel in the lion's den mm-hmm. with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. You've got, what else you got? You got Ruth. I'm not sure what Ruth did. Um, uh, Micah. You got um, <clears throat> Elijah. Right. Other miracles. Oh, you got, of course, the burning bush is Abraham. Is that right? Uh, the Isn't burning the, bush is Moses. That's what said to Abraham, don't kill your son like I just told you to. Don't listen to God, listen to the bush. Oh, okay. Isn't that right? Uh, that, that story freaked me out so bad when I was a kid. I don't. I don't totally know if that was the burning bush because that that wasn't. Did the, Moses have a burning bush too? Moses went up to the to Mount Sinai, and that's <laughs> where the bush was. That uh, no, yeah, there was a bush. Is there burning a chance there's just a homeless guy behind a tree? No, there was a bush up there, and then he talked, and that was God, and he talked to God, and then God wrote out the uh, the tablets for him. Yeah, there was definitely a bush up there. Was there another bush in the old one? Um, okay, so here's the thing. All of the great, horrible Old Testament stories, many of them start by saying, hey, hey, there's this, there's this guy, and it was always a guy. Yeah. There's this guy, and he was God's best fella. Like Job, man, nobody beat Job. Job was the best. Job yeah. had a happy life, and he loved God more than anybody. Ditto Abraham. So God likes to test. Old Testament God likes to test the people who are like his, his top dudes, right? Um, and so what he says to Abraham, look, here's the deal. You know, I know you're really old, and you and Sarah, uh, you had this kid you really like. So what I want you to do is, is go take him up here and kill him. I want you to stab him as a sacrifice. And then he goes, psych, it's good. And, and then there's a ram. A ram was produced. Remember that? And then he sacrifices the ram. Yeah. Why are you so good at Bible stuff? Oh, I used to love the Bible in and out. Oh, I'm reminded by listener Craig, the parting of the Red Sea. Thank you, listener Craig. Rob, that that's a, a big one. one. What about uh, when uh, Moses throws, does it Aaron or Moses throws down the cane and it turns into a snake? That was pretty badass. Yeah, that's, now see, that's the kind of thing like to me, well, not only did it turn into a snake, then it's probably the, an asp. The, well, the Egyptian dude walks out and it's like, I can do that. Chucks down his staff. The Moses snake eats the Egyptian guy's snake. It's like a rap battle. <laughs> so my question is, is that a miracle? It's a big deal, but does it qualify as a miracle? Right. It's more like a par- speaking of parlor, it's like a parlor trick. Yes, this is probably in the Torah somewhere. What is the difference between just a big deal and a miracle? Yeah. I mean, like, if you walked up and you're like, hey, check this out, and you pulled out, like, your key ring, and you threw it down on the ground, and, like, it became an animal of some kind, and that I wouldn't say that's a miracle, Right, well, like seems... if you threw your key ring down, it turned into two key rings. You go, oh, that's a pretty good trick. <laughs> that's a trick. That's <laughs> a trick. That's a trick. <laughs> a a double trick versus a big a thing trick. versus a miracle. Right. If or it, then if you have you... what the what in the magic and illusion community they call an effect. That's an effect. <laughs> that's clearly an effect. You didn't actually catch the bullet in your mouth. I say if it's if you're just doubling the item, it's a trick. If you're transfiguring <laughs> the item, it's it's a big deal or a, an effect. Mm-hmm. And if, if, but if, if it's kind of affect a lot of people, then it maybe it's a miracle or is a miracle just a healing? Could that be a miracle? Like you had, you thought you had the flu, it turned out it was just a cold. 
Oh, sure. That just seems like a like a canny and timely observation. Uh-huh. <laughs> it looks like your crops are coming in well this year, Ezekiel. That was a canny and timely observation. <laughs> right. Descriptions of miracles appear in the Tanakh. Tanakh. Uh, you got Elijah performing raising the widow's dead son. Widow doesn't that's a, have a see, name. That's big. Son. I say that's a big one. Elisha uh, multiplying the poor widow's jar of oil. Now, multiplying a jar of oil would that be a, would that be a trick or would that be a miracle? Isn't that really a miracle? Uh, he might have he might have pulled that from behind her ear. Is that Hanukkah? Um, Elisha. Okay, that's not that. A little bit of name space pollution with Elijah. Yeah. Torah describes many miracles related to Moses. Once again, parting of the Red Sea. Thank you, uh, listener Craig. Right. Oh, and, and facilitating the plagues of Egypt. You got frogs. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. <sighs> well, I'm sorry that you're you're maybe sick of you tempt. Uh, no, I should temp. I had terrible, terrible uh, uh, dreams last night. Terrible nightmares, uh-huh. and uh, and uh, that that's not good. No. Oh my How's god! How's the this back? Well, let me just. Oh, there's a lot yes. I want to get to. Sorry. P- no, please, by all means. How was your back? What kind of back pain was it? Oh, it, it was like the kind of lower back ache and general general torso torso torsoular ache that yeah. you get when you're fluey. Yeah, oh, I know exactly <clears throat> what you mean. And then, and have you been? See what I like to do when I'm when I'm temping, at least in the initial part of it, is to keep a, a log, a log book. <laughs> sure. And I'll you know, nowadays I've settled on one thermometer that I like. There was a while I would do two to sort of cross check. Um Yeah, because they do they do vary a lot. They do. And I've actually noticed this is funny. I would like for you to test this out. Mm-hmm. Is one, because you know how you take usually on one side, is the other side the same temperature as side one and side two? You're saying, could, could your face be like a McDLT? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The hot stays hot and the cool stays <laughs> Do fresh. they still do that? that was I a, don't think so. That was a big deal. A miracle. McDonald, remember that guy? <laughs> yes. Wow, he, he was wearing he was wearing food for a hat. Um, yeah, you know, we've got, one, uh, <clears throat> we've got one for my daughter that's a Spongebob, so I like to put that in and it plays a little song. <laughs> you have fever. Well, I appreciate you being here while you're sick. Oh my God, thank you, Dan. It's so nice to be here. I only have six podcasts this week, so it's a you're, you're it's doing a, more than most people who <laughs> most people with podcast networks are not doing as many. Oh uh, no, shows it's fun. I, I I like doing it, but it does get me to the to the topic for this week. You know, I will suggest. Um, I I, uh, I don't mean to overpromote things that I do, but I think this week's episode <laughs> of Reconcile. I don't. I honestly don't. I mean, I do a lot of stuff and don't just don't talk about it too much. <laughs> right. But hmm? are you disagreeing <laughs> with me? No, never. I'm, I mean, most of my friends are always talking about what they're doing. I try not to do that too much, but I do think this week's uh, Reconcilable Differences is pretty funny. It comes out on Thursday. Um, What's the topic on that one? Well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but basically, you know, we have an ongoing. I'm sure it's, it's must be similar to what you did with John on Hypercritical. This is a show I do with John Syracuse. Um and he uh, there's no Z in Syracuse. <laughs> and we have a running thing in Google Docs, and and so at one point I mentioned to him that uh, I'm very interested in my dreams and remembering my dreams. And mm-hmm. you know me, I, I very very rarely talk about my dreams. You said no one else is interested in. No one cares. Right, right. It's so boring. But but and John is just incredulous that I try to write down and remember my <laughs> remember my dreams. So you will be treated to me. Writing down what I wrote down when I woke after up after a dream the last few years and reading it to John Syracuse and making him listen to it. Oh wow, it's pretty bad. I want to really that. don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but no, no, I'll be okay. I just I had this feeling this this morning. You know, you know, like when you can you can feel that you're telling yourself a lie. You know that feeling where you're, where you go like, oh, maybe it's this, <laughs> right, right. 
maybe 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 it's Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> um, and I was telling myself maybe I had one of those mini colds, and I'm just it's going away. Maybe that's what it is, and that's why my my throat hurts in two different ways, and I sound like this, and mm-hmm. I'm having bad dreams. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I hope it's gone uh, by the Christmas uh, holiday. Yeah, me too. <sighs> got two kids. Got two weeks off of school. Yeah, it's a, that's a lot of time, isn't it? It's a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, my my lady's got some time off too, so I think she's going to be doing a lot of the the kid stuff then. But she's a champ, man. Um, so miracles. Uh, I think we covered a lot of good Judaism mm-hmm. this time. <laughs> um, so that know, should be a regular, regular segment. I, I would I would so thoroughly enjoy that. I have nowhere to talk about my interest in in. Uh, Western religion and the Bible. No one wants to talk to me about it. I want to talk to you about it. Well, there's either people who want to talk to you because they think they're freaking Richard Dawkins and want to talk you out of having learned all these things. Right. Or, or it's people who want to know if you know the good word. I, I'm just interested in talking about it as a thing. I think the stories are just are so interesting. I agree that's with all you. That, that's, that was the, the folk, the school and church was the focus of my life for many years. I mean, I was in lots of like plays. You know, I, I can still sing. I won't. But I can still sing a lot of those songs. It was a it was a really uh, fun thing. Lazarus, look at that guy. Lazarus, mm-hmm. huh? Now, what about these modern miracles? Like you know, you've got. I'm not talking about infomercials, but like where you got it to get poked up, you have to have, <laughs> like uh, a, like a, a chamois that'll suck up like a whole whole, whole bowl of water. <laughs> look at that absorbency. <laughs> like that. It, like it's that. Filled, it's filled the entire bowl, Jim. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because that's a modern-day miracle right there, I'll tell you With why. With nary a scratch, have you tried this microfiber? <laughs> it's a modern miracle. <laughs> Touch the pan. Um, <laughs> that's a Mr. Show reference. Um, <clears throat> um, so, what was I talking about? Modern miracles. Anyway, Popes. You know, I think some of those get a little bit uh, little, little bit ginned up. I think some of those are pretty ginned up miracles. I think they are the lines of, and the, lo- and, and the Lord looked down as John Paul duplicated a set of house keys <laughs> in front of all to see. And he thought to himself, I wonder if I have any clean shirts. And when he opened the drawer, alas, there were 11 clean shirts, many more than he thought was even possible. I feel like there, no. have, there have to be, I, I think this is something, I'm, I'm going to try looking this up. Yeah, but I feel like there are, there are requirements for a miracle. I've okay, I'm gonna look up because here's the thing. I think the deal is there are yes, there I'm going are to a page called Miracles of the Saints. Right, and I got a feeling. Oh, look at stigmata. I don't want that. No, uh-uh. thank you. All right, a miracle is a phenomenon not explained by known laws of nature. Criteria for classifying an event as a miracle vary based on whatever religious text you are sticking with or going with. Hmm. And... Yeah, I don't know. Some of these look a little bit dicey. There's lots of curing. Uh, if your body doesn't decay after you die, super creepy. That's just from eating Cheetos. Uh, here's a guy who didn't have food for 13 years. That sounds like a life hack. Was that the Buddhist guy? Oh, uh, oh, the Did guy you... who got caught at the Burger King? Yeah. That's a great story. Have we talked about that on no. here? No. Do you remember how, how how the story goes? There was a guy. There was a guy out there who had. I should look it up. But if memory serves, it was a guy who had kind of put himself out as this public figure who said, "Look, sheeple, you don't need food. Nobody needs food. Look at me. I I don't eat. 
And he kept making a bigger and bigger deal. And people were like, no way, you totally eat. And he's like, no, seriously, I totally don't eat. And he was like, everybody's like, you totally eat. And so then, of course, that, you know, they, uh, they ran a uh, nut John Kerry. They ran a uh, Gary Hart on him, sort of following him around. And then they took photos of him. In, I believe he was in a Burger King. I think he was, yeah. Yeah. Muzzle tough. <clears throat> well, we do have, I have some follow-up, and we have some, uh, we have, I had an idea for a topic. Did you want to tell me about something that you like? Well, we were talking about Casper before, so I'll tell you about them now. It's a new, it's a new kind of hybrid mattress. Hybrid mattress that's latex foam and memory foam. Just the right sink, just the right bounce. But here's the thing. I'm not a big fan of memory foam. And one time my wife booked, uh, we went to, uh, what is it? Oh, Port Aransas. Which is like Texas is the, the Texas has everything except good beaches. Everything else we have it. But being a family that spent many years in Florida, we thought you know what we'll have a beach vacation. Maybe it will be a little. It won't be as good as the beautiful Florida beaches, which is the one good thing Florida does have. Oh, that Clearwater Beach is a beauty. Ooh, love that Clearwater. Everything's ooh. Suncoast has some beautiful beaches. I like the. I got into the West Coast, <clears throat> Captiva Island. Sanibel yeah, they all, they all got they all got their own. Yeah, they all got their own flavor to them. See but the they, they actually, in the morning. Well, it's weird to grow up where the only the first beaches you see are Florida's beaches because then you go anywhere else, and you're like, Ew, right. this is more like a playground with water. <laughs> right? Why are there syringes in the seaweed? And right, it's, like, it's like a cat box with ice cream. <laughs> so it's a new kind of hybrid mattress. We went down at the, the Port Aransas, and they had these, uh, these memory foam mattresses there it was the worst four nights i've ever spent on on anything a person would call a bed in my whole life so i got i got <laughs> nervous when casper came on as a sponsor because i saw the word memory foam and right away i i i said man how am i going to say something nice about something that i despise and what they did is they sent me a mattress and we've talked about this i, I had it for quite a while it don't let that scare you. You would have no idea what kind of foam is in there. It's just the most comfortable mattress that I've ever laid on. And the mattress that I have that I sleep on, that we sleep on at night, that thing was a, a small fortune. And the Casper mattress, not only was it like a third of the cost, but it's more comfortable than the one that I had that I spent this small fortune on. These things deliver in a little box. Like you wouldn't believe there's a mattress in there. Right. You open up the box. They give you a little, a little tool. It's like an envelope opener type thing. And you go zoop and you go right across the little bag that, that contains it. And it just whew, inflates and breathes and comes to life. And it, I, I'm telling you, these things are incredibly comfortable. And the reason that they can sell these things as affordably as they can is because they cut out the middleman. They're not shipping them to big warehouses and showrooms. They don't have any of that overhead. They don't have the overhead of staffing those places and keeping them open. They don't have these ridiculous sales and promotions. Uh, just straightforward, great mattresses at really affordable prices. How much? 500 bucks for a twin, 950 for a king size. I mean, that's good, good luck finding like a full that's even decent for that price. The others you couldn't even sit in. Mm-hmm. So go check this out, and it's risk-free. You get to sleep on it for 100 days. And if you don't like it, they'll come take it away, give you your money back. It's really amazing, risk-free. So go and get $50 toward any mattress purchase 
if you go to casper.com, casper.com slash back to work and use the code back to work, one word, they want me to say terms and conditions apply. So, uh, but go check it out. 50 bucks, casper.com slash back to work. Seriously, do yourself a favor. Try one of these things. It's no risk and uh, change your game. Change your game up. Sleep is a weapon. Casper.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Thanks very much, Casper, for supporting, supporting <laughs> Merlin Man and back to work. Bok, bok. Uh, how, how are you holding up? Um, pretty good. Um, <clears throat> um, um, here's the thing is that uh, they, this is when I first heard about this, I was like, really? You're going to sell mattresses on the internet? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they were kind enough to send one, which I've been on sleeping on for over a year, my lady and me, and it's great. I think it's ideally targeted. Like, who is this for? Um, I think about somebody who is, especially in, like in an urban area where you have to go up steps. Right. And like you've been sleeping on a disgusting futon. It's like sleeping on a sponge. Like, grow up. You're 25. Get a mattress. This is not that much money. No one's sleeping on a, no one's sleeping on a futon. I think it happens. I think it still happens, Dan. But do you reach a point? You know, you know, you get the quarter life crisis, and you got to figure out what am I going to do? I'm going to keep sleeping on a sponge like a monster. Well, when you're ready to, and you've got the dough, here's the nice thing: if you live in a city, like if you're in a walk up, uh, or it's just, I mean, it's just difficult. Like for example, we're thinking about uh, getting a new oven, and I, my biggest problem is I can't figure out how we're going to get the old one out (laughs) vis-a-vis. I can't figure out how they ever got the old one in. Like I, I, I can't get a large Amazon box up and down the stairs at our house. It's crazy. We got you know two flights of stairs. Here's the neat thing is, I just want to really, you know, underscore this for people because every day someone's born who hasn't heard about Casper mattresses is this is a box (laughs) that you can, I I describe it as being a little bigger than a two drawer file cabinet, if you remember those things. And it is of a size that like a, a man with withered muscles like me can carry it in a box up the steps by yourself. So if you're feeling any resistance about getting this thing because you don't, how, how would I ever get a mattress up these steps? You know, just be aware. It, it's a good company. It's a great product, a terrific price, and they're very easy to deal with, as is the mattress. Better nights and brighter days. Now, I see, I changed, I changed the copy without asking them. I changed it to 100 nights. Do you think I'm going to get in trouble for that? No. I don't think anybody sleeps for 100 days unless they got some kind of a problem. <laughs> or they have back pain in the phone. <laughs> Sleep apnea or something. Ugh. Mm, it could be a night worker. I don't want to be ping pong. <clears throat> Thank you, Casper. I have uh, two small pieces of fake follow-up. Okay. Um, also, thank thank you very much to everybody in the PR business for offering to have the CEO on our show. Mm. That, that, that <laughs> number, just keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them keep coming. <laughs> I can't believe how many incredibly successful people want to be on this show. We are really fortunate. You know, with our long history of conducting interviews of CEOs, I understand why they want so badly to really, it's almost like they know they've made it once their CEO has yes. been interviewed by us on this show. It's it's true. You know you uh, have arrived as a thinkfluencer <laughs> or a thought leader when you inevitably perhaps appear on the Back to Work uh, interview program for entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this oh, is really? the number one show to be interviewed on if you're a CEO. Absolutely. absolutely. You, you pick up in any in-flight magazine, you see the top 10 shows for think influencers and thought leaders. Uh, if you have a podcast, it's going to have us right there. You can see our faces right on there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? You you started a business. That's amazing. Did it end up being successful? <laughs> oh, that's great. Did you work really hard and have good luck and in innovation? Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here's your tote bag. <laughs> Um, dying of fire. 
Um, we got, um, besides those, thank you so much to everyone for, for alerting us uh, via your PR people to your availability. Thank you so much. We'll get back to those. We also got a nice email <clears throat> from somebody suggesting, I had mentioned last time um, that I have used but sometimes struggle with a uh, Chrome plugin that uh, called, I think it's called oh, it's KB, something enforcer, KB enforcer. And the idea is it tries to, it tries every URL as HTTPS before like kind of falling back on HTTP. So, you know, if there is HTTPS, it, you know, it forces that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that I, my response to that was, uh, is there one of these for Safari? Uh, and uh, the the person who had suggested it said, no, uh, there isn't. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why, but the EFF, org one will work with chrome and firefox and so now yeah yeah I'm so i just put that i just put that up and by the way i'll bring your pen uh with the gold writing in a minute was that you <clears throat> yeah and so um grace grace see i my pen died oh your pen died my pen died do you have to sit, sit what do you what's it called sit and hoopah Sit and shiva. He's a shiva for the pen. <laughs> no, and i have you cover I, you gotta cover it, the mirrors and i'm trying to to, to mark up my uh my read here for the, for the next spot to make sure that oh, I, I mentioned that thing you said to mention and that no pen. God damn it. It's, this is the worst Christmas ever. What's happening, Dan? What is happening? What is happening to the holiday season? Well, you know what I remember? I'm looking at a page now. Do you remember when Tempur-Pedic mattresses first came out and they had that ad? <laughs> the worst. And it has looks, looks like a little butt. <laughs> but they they had the ad to, like, to show you how great it was. They put a giant glass of red wine on the bed, and then a woman jumped up and down <laughs> on it. Which is so normal for my house. Oh, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I knew I had an itch that needed scratching, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Ugh. Sometimes I like to put a large glass of wine on my bed. And let's be honest, my wife <laughs> likes to jump up and down. Thank you. Now I have my now I have my pen. Grace, and this Grace, is the one can I the- please have a, a large glass of wine and the uh, the California King size Tempur-Pedic, also the uh, German Bear Bonds and the uh, American Express? Here's the thing. Mm. I, I recommend this pen to everyone listening. It's the Signo, Uniball Signo. It's the Micro 207. That's the one with the gold <clears throat> writing. Uniball Signo. Yeah. Okay. You can't, anything besides the one with the gold writing... F that. Is that a gel pen? Sure. You like a gel pen? I like this gel pen. Okay. But it's okay. A, no, wait a minute. Is it? No. How do I know? I don't like a gel pen. Some people love a gel pen. Try this one. All right. And try the micro. All right. I'll put it, put it in the show notes. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about pens. Uh, what do I got here? I really like... My, my go-to lately has still been, I really like these manga drawing pens that have a nice, they're, they're not perfect, but they're pretty cool. What, what's funny about that? I just like that you're, you're just. Do you want to say manga? <laughs> I don't know. The, 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 the Northeasterner in me wants to say manga. Manga. Oh, manga. Manga. I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, you know, I'm currently <laughs> obsessed, utterly obsessed with uh, Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the world. I, you, I can always tell what's on your mind because of the, the Kung, Kung Fu. Fu great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it on the fart tube both ways. I watched it going and coming. I've been watching it a couple times a week. I just The fart tube is an airplane? Oh, that's a term coined by John Roderick. A fart tube, or actually an SHIT tube. A fart tube full of long pits. It's basically, it's a, it's a, it's a tube that accentuates fart smells. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I was in 3A. I was in uh, uh, Main Cabin Select. And boy, somebody up in first class really needs to drink more water. They, they were dropping some serious deuces and uh-huh. it was coming in waves. It was coming, it was, uh, it was, it was, I couldn't even concentrate on my Scott Pilgrim. 
Now, this is a fantastic, it's a great comic, and uh, the, uh, it's Edgar Wright, man, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright is a freaking genius. And it's, again, as with his other movies, like the Cornetto Trilogy movies, it is such a delight the way that he, I don't even know what exactly the right word is, it's a combination of Easter eggs and foreshadowing in his movies, and then things like repetition. Like, you won't realize, somebody will say a line that sounds like a, a typical you know, turn of phrase, but it's actually become something literal later in the movie. It's just chock-a-block with these things. Well, I only mention that because Brian Lee O'Malley, I understand, the guy who did the Scott Pilgrim comics, he didn't really know how to draw before he started, and he bought a book on how to draw manga comics to learn because he wanted to make a comic. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and now I'm learning about video games. I'm learning all about video games uh, because of uh, Scott Pilgrim. And do you have, a, like, a PS4? <clears throat> nope, 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 nope. But I'm learning about, uh, you know, uh, what is it, the Clash of Demon Head? I'm learning about uh, what a bomb is. What is that? Oh, I think it's a thing from a video game. And the, the band in the movie is called Sex Bomb. Mm. You should watch it, Dan. It's a very good movie. It's got Michael Cera. Okay. It's got Captain America. Uh, it's got April uh, from Parks and Rec. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, the lady who, who, who smashes the cups around in that musical movie. Kendrick. Um, uh, Kendrick. Yeah, she, she's cute as a bug's ear. Who she's else? an oh, up in the air. Who else is in it? Fuller's in it. Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. Um, what's his name? It's Kieran Culkin is in it. He plays Wallace. Hmm. So that's a nice pen. Uh, what is this one right here? I'm going to try this. I'll try your pen. I also am still loving this uh, this pencil. I'm really kind of... Uh, I love this Blackwing 602 pencil oh, well, by that's Palomino. The, that's the best one. Come on. Did you know you can remove the eraser and make it longer or shorter? Blackwing. Let me put that one in. What's the model on that one? Blackwing. Blackwing 602. 602. I feel like such a dingling. I didn't realize until I was idly playing with this during a meeting the other day that you can take off the eraser and change the length of it when it gets short. It comes with extra eraser. Do you see that? It's got it's yeah. got the funny funny looking yeah. eraser on it. Yeah, it's squishy. That eraser is about five times as long as what you can see sticking out. Like on a mechanical pencil, you can pull out more eraser. <laughs> Isn't that smart? <laughs> That's going to be one for the books. This is a good one. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, I also have a request. Dan, Dan, um, <laughs> in as much as you're able or willing, could you please tell our listeners where they can uh, find the show notes for episode 251 of your Back to Work program? 5by5.tv slash B as in brothers, 2 is in the number, W is in women slash 251. 251. I even put the Blackwing Long Point Sharpener in there. What about the, remember the cum? Remember the cum sharpener? The long point? You still like that <laughs> one? Point, that's a, the, cum, the long point cum is a nice sharpener. We use it constantly. I bought four of them because my daughter keeps hoarding them. My uh, daughter's like a crow. Things just disappear. Like I noticed, I noticed, for example, that my Scott Pilgrim uh, Volume 1 was missing from the box. It sticks right out. She was hoarding it. Um, I have a request. I'm not going to ask this on Twitter because everybody's a comedian now on Twitter. But, um... Um, my lady and I would like to get an activity tracker, a la a Fitbit, for our kid. Oh. I know other I know other families who got their kids one of these, and they love it. It you know encourages them to move around some more. It makes life a video game. So my request is, if anybody out there, and please don't just Google it. I'm looking for experience, people with experience here. If you have uh, uh, tried one or more time. Uh, uh, activity trackers for kids. Give me a shout out. My only requests are that it be friendly to the Apple ecosystem, that it not be too giant, and preferably have an okay, good battery life. And uh, th- there's a bunch out there, but you know they look like kids' things. They're real candy colored and stuff. And right. I don't know. Some of them are too big. 
because they're you know trying to be cute. So anyway, uh, if you could toot that out or whatever, uh, that would be great. If you have an activity tracker for kids that you particularly like, that's really all I have for that. All right. <clears throat> Do you have any questions for our audience, Dan? Uh, no. We could ask people what their favorite miracle is. The fact that people still listen to Donald Trump. Big um, debate tonight, isn't there? Woo, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how far in are we? Okay, I, I mean, you know, I got, I got some topic stuff. Did you want to tell me about one more thing you like before we get into our topic? Sure. You sure. don't have to. You no. know, I can go into my topic. You can jump in any time. No, I want to sort of tease the audience <clears throat> into it. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Real gentle. Well, yeah, well, yeah, like a gentleman. So, so you want me to jump in, or you want to do your uh, thing? I'll do the thing. You jump into this one because I know you've got a, a note about this. Oh yeah, I probably do. So if I think a lot of our listeners are probably they're people who are doing they're freelancing, they're doing small business stuff. Oh yeah, because we oh, get yeah. all I got a note the CEOs on this. that are coming to us. You know, I think they're listeners, and when you're trying to grow a business, you want to reach. It's all, everything they talk about, I don't like to say build your personal brand because I think that's a cheesy way to say it. But we all do have a, in our case, we have, we have listeners. We have people who are interested in the things that, that we're doing. And today, I think a big part of like building a business, especially if it is small or freelance, is building it around the stuff that you do. The stuff that you do. What are you involved in? What is it that you're trying to, how do you reach out to that audience. And if you're, where can you afford to focus your attention and time? Well, exactly. And how are you, if you're selling stuff and so many, I mean, we're, we sell stuff here a lot. You want to get like the leads, the leads are weak. The leads are weak. You're weak. So Citrix has this thing now called go to webinar. Now webinar, I think comes from the word seminar. Is from the Latin. Is Latin. Web webinar is the infinitive of uh, to webinar. It's called recursive. I did not know that. Yep. First first letter in uh, webinar stands for webinar. Well, the way that this, here's how GoToWebinar works. You pick a topic, right? You select your audience. You schedule out an event. We're all familiar with that if we've done things like, you know, Google Hangouts and other things like that. This then, it handles all of this detail work that is so kind of frustrating and tedious of like how you set all of this stuff in motion it will automatically email everybody on the list it'll send out like a reminder like don't forget tomorrow we're doing this thing at this time and then you want to you want to do your presentation you hit record you turn on your webcam you share your screen you're doing all of this stuff that you want to do for your presentation for your group for your listeners your fans your followers your clients your potential salespeople. Uh, sales people sales uh uh what do you who's this recipient of a sale client oh sure That's the people you want to sell things on to two that you get, you get, you get um, opportunities. Yes, opportunities turn into leads. Leads, and then uh, leads uh, turn into clients. It's called a funnel. But you know what else they do? Like this morning b- before the show, we had a little uh, technical issue. Fixed yes. it. Fixed it. No big deal. Well, go to webinar knows that that happens, so they have like a built-in practice thing. You test your equipment beforehand. You make sure it's up and running, and they have really cool things you can do during while you're doing this. You have like on-screen polls. They have interactive surveys. They have all this stuff. You can get feedback in like real time, so you can see like, oh, I want to ask you guys, what do you think about this thing here? And then, and then you fill out the thing. It's really, really awesome. So here's what you do: get started with GoToWebinar today. Focus on the content and let GoToWebinar handle. The rest. It's go to webinar.com. Go to webinar.com. Go check them out. 
that's all they want. They don't have it, promo codes, none of that stuff. You just go there and, and, and start using it. So uh, go to webinar. Thanks very much to go to webinar.com for supporting Merlin Mann's Back to Work program. Thank you very much. That's, is that a new sponsor for us? New sponsor. Make, yeah, make them proud. Yeah, the reason I went to D.C. was to go and talk about meetings. And I, obviously, these are the same folks that do uh, go to meeting. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how enduring the challenges of all kinds of remote connectivity are. I mean, it continues to this day, and people are looking for an easier way to get with other people uh, without without having to monopolize their time in a way that's very efficient. And this, I don't know, it just seems like for, for some kinds of folks and certain kinds of products, this is an absolute no-brainer fit to be able to get in front of people and, and make it easy on everybody. And I, the, the idea of your test, that you be, being able to test the equipment, yeah. oh my gosh, that's that's come a long way from when all of this stuff started. Oh, yeah. And basically half of these things would not work. And now today it's like, a, it's just, it's become a, a big part of the toolbox. Good for them. Go to webinar. Go to webinar. So your topic. <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'll tell you what. I'm going to promote something now. Oh, please. Uh, your, your friend and mine, Andy Anatko. Uh, I have a show with him that we've done for quite a while. It's called the Anatko Almanac. This Thursday, because I know you've been on a Top Chef kick recently, mm-hmm. you and, 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 and Max and the other things. Andy conned me into buying a sous vide cooker. Oh, neato. Did you get a Nova? I got the Nova, uh, the uh, the Bluetooth one. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. And isn't it isn't it funny though? Like you hear people talk about it, and you're like, Ugh, enough already. And then you do it, and you're like, oh my god, I know. This is so it's you can't screw it up. It's if you best. hit two buttons, it makes perfect food. It's the best. And uh, so this Thursday, we record an episode of the Anaco Almanac, and we're going to be talking all about that. So if, if, if this cooking thing is interesting and you want to wanna hear, Andy's kind of the master of this, uh, and I'm just starting out on it. But I've tried a whole bunch of things to kind of get caught up at least with the experience of doing this at home. So we've done... We've done a steak. We've done some chicken. We've. I'm doing a burger. I'm going to try a burger in it. Got, oh, I'm going to yeah. do some eggs. Try try salmon. I did. That was the first thing we did was salmon. It was amazing. It makes you fall, you fall in love with salmon all over again. <sighs> My little four year old hates everything. She liked this salmon. She ate a whole piece of salmon. Mm. It it really it, it is remarkable. And, you know, funny thing, it's actually Max Temkin that taught me so much about the sous vide stuff, told me what equipment to get and stuff like that. What did you get? Is, oh, I mean, I got the Innova when it was on sale one day um, on Andy's recommendation. But, like, for example, uh, Max, I think Max recently bought the suck the air out thing, but we both just Ziploc. I mean, Ziploc is fine. It works fine. But the thing I'm excited, Andy's... That My I wife would, would not Andy. allow the Ziploc, by the way. Oh, because of plastic? Yep. The food saver is the vacuum sealing one, and then the silicone bag, which is a different break. God love her. That's that's monkey balls. Uh, I love your wife, but that's crazy. (laughs) Not not in that way, Um, or the other way. But the um, (laughs) the thing I want to hear about is where Andy says, and I I I think you would need the fancy silicone sucker for this. But like, I'm very interested in his idea of like buying food fresh, getting it in the vacuum bag, and then freezing it. Yep. And according to him, I think you were on this thread. According to him, you can sous vide frozen stuff yes. just by, and that's apparently you can go right from freezer into sous vide, uh, only adding something like fifteen to thirty minutes for it 
to thaw out, which is amazing because you can. But at the same, it's at the same temperature. Yeah. So you put it in like a steak. You put in a steak at 129. Or right. my family, I like 129. My family likes about 131, uh, which sounds crazy, but it actually is a difference. Like doing a tri-tip at 131 is a pretty perfect medium rare. I'll do a tri-tip at 131 for two hours, and it's perfect. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that's super intriguing to me because I, ha- I have this fantasy sometimes of doing like inbox zero with my refrigerator. <laughs> I just want to throw out literally everything and start over, right. like based on meal planning, which is like a thing for me. I'm really into meal planning. Like, let's figure out, you know, and I, you know, I, I give, I, I browbeat Syracuse about this because he has this, this quantum chaos theory about how he can never plan meals in his house because everything's so crazy. And I'm like, well, then just plan two meals a week, but you could have a nice meal and make it together. And that changes everything to me. If I, if I did inbox zero for the freezer, got rid of everything and just neatly packed it with stuff from Costco that was in bags. Woo. I just so love, what, what, I, when are you doing this? I'm sorry, go ahead. When we do it Thursday. We're talking about it Thursday. So I'm just trying to cook as many things sous vide as possible. Uh, before Thursday, and I'm, I've made some really good progress with it. And uh, I, I, this is this is one of those things that it's fairly like I love the food saver bag thing because it it sucks out all the air. It's all sealed. You can throw it in the fridge for like forever or right in the freezer, and there's no freezer burn. It cooks per so that that in and of, of itself, like just to forget the sous vide thing, just a food saver is kind of amazing. But then you start looking, you're like, hmm, you know, I still had to like skillet this steak. What if I had a handheld torch? I need oh, that. I'm you know, it's on my wish I list. Know. I'm thinking of getting it. Which one? <laughs> oh, the one everyone recommends. It looks like a it looks like a giant like a, a cop searchlight. Oh, <laughs> which which one is that? I'll add it to the show notes. Uh, I'll see if I can find it. Now, basically, you get like I guess is it not butane, but you get some kind of uh, yeah inflammable gas and uh and you, you don't even have to have a pan you just you, you just, just put it right on the plate i know i know i know but it's more than a creme brulee one it's more than like a science lab one that you would use for a creme blazer cigars this one's the this one's a monster and it makes a big wide heat um here's here's a crazy one have you tried larger cuts of beef like you know it's two two that'll blow your mind and I, I wasn't ready to try this until well the first one is uh filet mignon not my favorite but Part of the problem with filet mignon is it is really difficult to cook well and evenly. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking there's no way I could get like a giant filet mignon and put it in there, but it totally works. Or Chateaubriand. If you want like a more slightly less, uh, you know, lame white guy piece of meat, uh, Chateaubriand is kind of like a giant filet in some ways. That's not true. Butchers, email Dan. But uh, both of those. But then the other <laughs> one is you can do a small standing rib roast. You can do, and if you've got a full setup, you can do a big rib roast, but I'm not prepared to do that. I worry about, you know the food safety stuff. Yeah. But like a two bone, you could do a two bone rib roast in sous vide. And it turns out amazing. It's like, how do you, how could this possibly get to the center of this cut of meat? No, it, and it does. It could never. And it does. And it does. Wow. That's great. So do you have a time? Do you want people to listen in? Uh, we record at, uh, 10 AM Eastern on Thursday morning, but we usually have a pretty quick turnaround same day to get the show out. So, uh, I'll look forward to hearing that. Yeah. I, and it was Andy's um, writing uh, and posting in photos about his sous vide experiments that got me interested. You know what finally pushed me over the edge was him talking about how he did his whole like Thanksgiving, like everything with with sous vide stuff, and it was just I was like, wow, that's really appealing to me. And it's you know so often we we do have that kind of chaotic schedule where I don't always get to eat dinner. 
at the same time. And my wife doesn't always get to eat dinner at the same time as, as my kids. And part of it's because like I might get home and I'll want to eat something, but I'm like, you know, it's screw it. I'm just, I'll eat some cold cuts and some potato chips. That's my dinner tonight because I just would rather just sit. But this is so great. You just throw it in. It goes and you just when you're you're ready to eat it, you just anyway. I don't. You just it takes it does take a little bit of planning ahead, but <clears throat> but it is um, the only downsides. What are the downsides? The downs, downsides are that you know you do still need to sear it, which you would have needed to do anyway. And I don't feel great about the amount of water that I need to use, but um, those are the only downsides to me. The fact is that you could be a total dingling as a cook, and and, and the funny part is it actually doesn't need much seasoning. I would say if you're doing like a, a nice cut of, of beef, uh, I would say just a little bit, a little bit of salt and maybe a little bit of thyme, uh, like some fresh thyme mm-hmm. is surprisingly good. You it's, don't need and a, that's all it needs. Yeah, you don't need a lot of seasoning in my experience, it, it, much <clears throat> less than you would normally put on if you're cooking it the regular way. I don't want to be one of these people who's suggesting that you replace all of your traditional cooking methods with with this but there are certain things that at least for me have been difficult to get right in a very consistent way without oh, a lot God. of elaborate prep or timing or, or nervousness well, and pork, pork chops are a great example because yeah. that's one where we all worry a little bit about making sure they're thoroughly cooked um you know see also the episode of the food safety podcast i did with don and ben where we talked extensively about these things i'll find that for notes but you know there's a there's this you know uh this matrix of you know temperature to food safety to time that's super interesting and the long and short of it is the reason they tell you 160 for it's my understanding i'm not a physician it's my understanding the one reason they're always saying oh make everything 160 is that that is the simplest way to explain to somebody how to hit the right point on the matrix right but the truth is apparently you can't by cooking it longer at a lower temperature you still get rid of the pathogens without drying it out and turning it into a piece of shoe leather mm-hmm. so uh, pork chops buddy you uh, like a thick cut center cut pork chop whoo is that ever good I still have not mastered eggs. I want to eventually get good at eggs because I bet that's going to be amazing. But those those have all been a disaster just because I'm doing it wrong. But okay, terrific. So Thursday, Nako Almanac with uh, Andy and Dan talking about sous vide. There you go. <clears throat> <clears throat> Should we talk about it? Uh, see, that seems so lame. No, let's do it. Hit it. I'm. I'm. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, a distinction that I've been thinking about a lot, and it's something I've talked about on here quite a lot in the past, and we may have even done an episode on this, but I want to think out loud a little bit about this, and I want to get to this idea of uh, time constraints, or in my parlance, the difference between being quote-unquote busy and and merely being time constrained. And I want to talk about that distinction, because it's become very important to me. Um, May I do that? Yeah, I think that's perfect. So, I mean, here I'm Merlin, and I'm a dork, right? I'm a word nerd. Uh, I'm not the most well-spoken person in the world, but there are certain uh, contrasts involving specific words that have become very meaningful to me. And if if you don't follow what I do, I'll give you some of them. Costly versus expensive. There is a difference. Mm -hmm. Something that is costly, it takes a lot of money to buy it. Something that is expensive is something that is costly and might not be worth it. Right? Expensive means, whoa, that's a lot of money. So something that's costly may not be expensive. By the same token, something that's inexpensive does not have to be cheap. So I don't say cheap. Like, I don't, I don't say expensive if I mean costly. And I don't say cheap if I mean inexpensive. Because inexpensive right. means it doesn't cost a lot. Cheap means the quality might be low. Right? These right. are Two, yes, words. Yes, yes, yes. Co- co- uh, cheap 
absolutely i think in in our gen, in our general awareness <clears throat> level of awareness that is a rating of a dissatisfaction in quality right and and that's it, so uh, yes. different from inexpensive yeah exactly and and the thing is if you made a Venn diagram of these you know you would see um inexpensive would be the big circle and you know cheap might be inside of inexpensive but it is different from being merely something that doesn't cost a lot other distinctions i've come to treasure the difference between your house and your home the difference between your office and your work we talked about this before one of the big breakthroughs for me was starting to think differently about house things that happen at the house versus things that are related to my home life things that can only happen in my office Versus things that are related to my work life. That sounds like a dumb distinction, but I don't think it is. Like, these are the kinds of things, these words mean things. Uh, other ones, uh, <laughs> here, here's, where, here's where the rubber meets the road for a word nerd. This is why I mentioned this to you when I texted you. Um, the difference between being thrifty and being, being cheap. Mm-hmm. I think some people, um, I think some people use thrifty as a euphemism for cheap. That guy's thrifty, meaning he doesn't like to spend money on anything. And, you know, cheapness has a certain connotation to it of or being a skinflint or however you want to think of it or a miser. It has all this connotation of being somebody who's very selfish versus somebody who's thrifty where you go, oh, gold star for you. You're somebody who's like saving up for whatever. Right. This is, you know what I mean? With yeah, these uh, little yeah, distinctions. Yeah. They're and subtle. That's why they are subtle, but they're only subtle on the surface because once you dig in, I think they end up becoming very very meaningful. Um, and that's why I want to talk about the difference between being time constrained and being busy. Cause I'm tired of people using those words interchangeably because I think it, it's kind of dumb and ugly and unexamined. And so that's why I want to talk about those things. Um, sorry, this is becoming a Jeremiah, ad, isn't it? A Jeremiah. That's a, that's a very specific kind of rant. It could be a polemic. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Dictionary Talk with Professor Synonym, also known as Other Word Guy. <sighs> I should lay down. I really should lay down. Um, yeah, how, are you fe- how are you feeling? No, I'll be all right. I'll be fine. I should have more coffee. Um, because, you know, here's, I was thinking about a, a book I read a long time ago called, called uh, Metaphors We Live By. Uh, by the author, he was co-authored by the guy who also would later on write uh, Don't Think of an Elephant. And you know, and it's one of those, like, oh, too smart for your own good, been to college things, where you start thinking about, like, how meaningful the metaphors in our life are, and consequently how important the words are. And we start to realize that there are certain ways that we, if we use certain words a certain way for a certain amount of time, that starts to really define the way that we frame a lot of important stuff in our life. And I'm not, I don't mean, I'm not trying to turn this into some kind of neuro-linguistic programming thing. That, that's, you know, a lot of that's douche talk. But, um, but I do think that if you find yourself habitually using certain words to mean certain things, and you find yourself doing it a lot, I think it's worth examining what word you're using for that, because you may end up painting yourself into a corner by basically talking yourself into a certain framing of the situation that is not healthy and is not sustainable. Hmm. Does this ever come up in your life? I think so, but keep, keep going. I will. <laughs> um, and so I've been thinking about what it means to be busy versus to be time constrained. So time constrained, I think, I, I don't think I invented that term, but I, I don't hear many other people use that term. Well, here's what happens. Um, hey, uh, we haven't had dinner together in a while. Do you want to have dinner next week, or are you busy? Right, busy. Doesn't that isn't that am I is that a straw man, or is that not kind of a way that you would 
frame that question yeah. to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're too, you're too busy to have dinner uh, tomorrow night? Well, I think it's not, it may not be intended that way. It may actually be intended as a polite way. Like, for me, that's a way of saying, and I, you know, I don't want to overparse the word busy because it can mean different things in different contexts. It could mean in your calendar program, show this as available or busy. Show this as open or busy. Right. That is a term of art that means either this is blocked out time, don't let anybody else have this, or it's a, it's a floopity-doopity thing where anybody can just jump in here to shuck and jive. That's so, fine. So busy in the sense of I already am engaged in an activity at that time, or I have so, too many activities to do something else. Well, let's go with that for the, I don't know if it's the first dictionary meeting, but meaning, but you know, the meaning in that case, what does busy mean? Busy means I already have something then. Yeah. So that means that I'm occupied, occupied. at that time. Occupado. That, that's, and that, that's, you know, perfectly fine way to say it. Oh, I, I, I'd love to, but I'm busy that night. The part of the problem is, though, when you ask a question like that, when you say to somebody, like, do you want to have dinner next week or are you busy? The other connotation of busy is I've got a lot going on. All the way down the spectrum to my life is currently chaos mm-hmm. because I am in a state of, of, of perma-crazy right now because there's so many things I can't even do them. We've, we've all, can't we say, we've all been in that position, right? There are certain, certain times where you are legitimately busy, where you are harried, where you are stressed, where you are... Uh, overcommitted, where you can start to feel like you don't even know up from down anymore because, and you start spending so much interstitial time trying to figure out what you're not doing that you don't actually accomplish anything. Right. But at the same time, I think there are some people who would consider themselves to be busy all of the time. I'm a very busy person. I, I, I have a lot of work in my business <laughs> where I am busy. And I'm not here to fault anyone who says that. I'm just saying be careful about how you use busy if you really mean time constrained. Because my concern when we get into these, these words and what they mean, you know, like I said before, it's, it's considered uh, a virtue to be thrifty, but it's considered a personality flaw to be cheap. When sometimes we use those words in exactly the same way, but I think they can mean different things. Okay. So isn't it, like I said to you when I was texting earlier, isn't it kind of funny that we laud people who are good at saving money? Right. Or we laud people who are good at reading the fine print in a contract to make sure they don't you know, get an eel attached to them. When we look at people who are trying to find the best deals on things, do we think those people have a personality flaw? No, we're not, we're not talking about compulsive coupon clipping. We're talking about people who see the value of money and then conduct their life in a way that reflects that. Or put differently, they have a life that ensures that the way they spend money comports with how they want to live. Right. So does that, does that make you a loony because you are out there trying to not waste money on things? You know, you want to have certain values. Maybe you, like, you don't want to buy your kid every toy. You don't want to buy 10. You, here's the funny thing. You know, I, I think that one of the downsides people don't realize, like, oh my gosh, I wish I could win the lottery. You know what happens when you win the lottery is that suddenly all these people come out of the woodwork who mm-hmm. just see you as almost like a cartoon pork chop. Like, now they just see you as a big dollar sign. Because what they see is the amount of money that they heard you got in the lottery without regard to how you want to live your life. Right. So when you say, no, I'm not going to give you $200 for this thing, you sound like the biggest trick. $200? Dude, you just won $50 million, right? And, and so, but like if, if they said yes to everybody who asked them for $200, they wouldn't have all that money anymore. You don't, you don't, you don't get rich or prosperous by giving all of your money away. Quite the opposite. But is, isn't that a strange kind of phenomenon, right? Yeah. So I just think it's interesting that on the one hand, we look at people who are good with money as being virtuous people, mostly, 
and perhaps even see them as generous, right? Because they've mindfully decided what kind of foundations to start or what kind of, you know, charities to give to. But like, I think it's kind of funny then that we also kind of tacitly applaud the people who are, who are busy. And I know it's not exactly equivalent, but I think it has become, has just about become a cultural signifier of status to constantly be busy. Because it does a lot of things. First of all, it makes you seem like a big shot. I'm busy. I'm busy. Right. I'm, I'm, busy. In, I'm important. Well, let me tell you when I was busy. I was, I, I was, I've been busy when people in my family got very sick. I was very busy in college when I had taken way too many courses. I was busy when we had our kid. That was busy in every sense because yeah. there was no way out and I didn't, there was just no, no time to add anything else pretty much. That, that that's a high priority state of mind is that you know everything else gets to, has to die in order for this thing to get taken care of but i guess again i just want to i just i want to do have a little meditation uh, with us and the listeners on what it means to be busy versus to be time constrained because i think they are very different and when we talk about a culture in which and I, you know in fairness i have to say there has been a lot of think pieces in the last few years about like how busy you really want to be but i, I want to just caution people to think about what that distinction is because i think if you decide that you're busy all the time you may be fooling yourself and if you don't realize that you are time constrained you may not be giving yourself enough credit for what you are trying to accomplish. That is something that, is something that I am trying to accomplish, and I, I would like to share with people why I think that distinction is important and how you can implement it to improve your life. Nice. Yeah. Did you want to tell me about uh, something else you like? Final thing is FreshBooks talking about improving your life, right? What are we talking about? Let's talk about something important. Something important. Love FreshBooks. Now, if you've listened to this show before, you've heard us talk about FreshBooks because you know that sometimes we go down this rabbit hole in our discussions about like productivity, productivity tools and, and things like that, because we, we love tools that are thoughtfully designed. We love tools that work the way that we work and get out of the way, things that make us more productive. And as we are sort of talking about that, uh, in general, I think FreshBooks fits really nice as part of this stack of things that we use to save time, things that we use to make our lives a little bit better. I mean, we all like the idea of being our own boss. We hate the, the idea of doing more paperwork. You know, we don't want to use spreadsheets to create invoices. We don't want to have the George Costanza wallet full of ridiculous receipts. We just, we just want to know how is our business doing? What are we, what are we earning? How can we get paid more quickly? That's, that's a big piece. So simply put like FreshBooks, was created to remove all the pain and the angst and the frustration that we normally associate with formatting and preparing and sending and tracking invoices and receipts and all of this stuff. You're a freelancer. You're running a small business. Like That's not where you should be spending your time. That's the opposite place of where you should be spending your time. You should be spending it on doing the stuff that you like and doing the stuff that you're good at. And you'll be shocked how easy FreshBooks is to use. If you have questions, their help is free forever. You can always count on them to help you and go above and beyond whenever you need a hand. So here's the way that it works. You can try out FreshBooks and use everything, all, all parts of the system. It's not like a limited thing. Use it free for 30 days. The URL, freshbooks.com slash back to work spelled out. And when you are signing up to try, that, to try it out, there's a little blank that says, how did you hear about us? You want to type back to work in there. That gives us credit for the show. And I was on a phone call with them recently 
And I said, do, you know, do you really look? And they said, yes, we have, we have several people who they go through every single one of those and they, they really do track them and they look at what our audience is like and the people signing up and they're, they're telling us that our audience is, uh, is signing up for it. So that's great. Thanks to everyone who's done that. If you haven't, you owe it to yourself to go check out FreshBooks. Again, freshbooks.com slash back to work. Thanks so much to them for supporting the show. Yeah, totally. I, I had occasion yesterday. I mean, I'm always going to beat this one point to death because I think it needs to be mentioned is that this is not just a way of invoicing. It's they have a gateway for payments. So yes. you don't have to sit around and wait for a check. Like those days are over. Let's let's stop doing checks, please. <laughs> um, and so what you can do is you can go in and there are several different payment gateways that you can set up. You can set up the FreshBooks one, which I think integrates with your bank account. You can set up PayPal. You can set up Stripe. You can set up one of the other. I believe they have another card authenticator in there. But uh, I had one of those that I hadn't used for a while, and I wanted to see if it still worked. So I went in, and I <laughs> this is going to sound nutty. I went in and made an invoice to myself and selected the new payment gateway. Uh, as the as the preferred way and then i sent myself an invoice ding 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 suddenly my phone goes off you've sent this invoice to mm. merlin man That's you so cool. received this invoice from merlin man <laughs> and i went in and like while i was walking to pick my kid up at school from my phone i paid that invoice and here's what's neat just it was basically dollar 99 just to like you know was it 9.99 it was very little money but the point is it, it popped up and i paid it and here's what's great is it, it's totally intuitive. You basically have, in the way that I have it configured, this will vary for your gateways. It basically says, hey, okay, you ready to pay? No problem. Is it PayPal or is it a credit card? Oh, and I said, okay, credit card. That's where this gateway is going to get tested. And I did it, the credit card. I entered my credit card. Boom, done. Payment went through it's up today. So, I mean, for the experience, for your experience as a business uh, owner or somebody who just wants to get paid for something, it's so great to have this stuff taken care of for you, but also for the sake of your clients. More and more people I'm discovering right, will pay for stuff for with too. a credit It is. More and more people, this sounds crazy, but like there are still the, the old giant organizations that do everything with POs and giant size novelty checks, but more and more people, thank God, will pay for things with a credit card. If it's something where you just did a little thing for them, they will just, in some cases, just pay you with PayPal. It really is that easy. If it's less than, I think, $10,000, I'm not sure, you can pay with PayPal. It's just, I don't know, I just really recommend it because you do not want to be in the business of tracking that stuff down. And if you make it easy for somebody to click the big button to pay you, they will do it and they will be grateful. And then you move on and you get back to your work. Boom. Boom. I, uh, I am a big believer in my calendar. My calendar is the place to, I think to paraphrase David Allen, I don't know, I, I don't know if he came up with this, but you know, it's David Allen and getting things done calls it the hard landscape. I, I've heard other people refer to the big rocks. Think about the big rocks, right? So for me, when I go into my calendar, uh, some of my, my principles that I really believe in is to generally try to ne- I only put things on my calendar largely that will not die if they're not done at that time and day. This has been a great practice for me. I, I'm not perfect about this. I will sometimes put in what I'll call speculative meetings. I will say something like record top scallops with Max question mark. And that means I've kind of penciled that in mm-hmm. when I see a question mark. And I'll, I'll usually start those entries with, a, with an upside down question mark. That visually tells me that this is an unresolved thing. It's a little trick of mine. Um, but but I, I really, really, really trust my calendar. And I trust my calendar so much that I become a little bit of a crazy person if I'm called upon to do anything involving time without looking at my calendar. I I talk about this about once a month because I think it's really important and because I still encounter many people every day who are not this crazy about their calendar and it's reflected in in working with them, (laughs) right? 
So for me, like, even if it's my wife's, you know, casually mentioning, oh, hey, uh, on the way home today, I'm getting a manicure. Uh, can you, is that cool? And I was like, of course that's cool. Please put it on the calendar. Right. And that way, so that's, that's easy because that's today. And, you know, even a dingling like me can remember that. But here's the thing. I don't care how young and smart you are. Do not use your brain as an alarm clock and do not use your brain as a whiteboard. We have tools for those things. So I'm getting somewhere with this. But when you know or think that something might happen at a point in time on the earth somewhere and you're pretty sure it's going to happen, put it on the goddamn calendar. If you know something's happening on a given day, put it there. So the proviso there would be, well, you know, don't clutter up your primary calendar with junk. So in I use Google Calendar, and in Google Calendar, your primary calendar has special abilities. The other calendars don't. So, for example, I only put my personal stuff that I have to do on that calendar. I have other calendars for stuff like, will somebody be in town? What is a family event that we have to go to? And stuff like that. But why, you know, why does that matter? Because once you start really putting stuff on your calendar and treating it seriously, you might realize something, which is that you're not necessarily busy, but you will start to realize that you are very time-constrained. And I want to talk about that distinction. So busy, whatever. I don't know what that means. Busy means, oh, look at me. I'm a big shot. I got stuff from Sharper Image. Woo! It's like, I'm busy. I'm, a, I'm an influencer, a thinkfluencer. But to me, time-constrained means, hey, you know, uh, I'm a grown-up with stuff to do. And what you realize when you become a person who is, I have to say, uh, happily time-constrained, is that there are beginnings and endings in every day for me. There are spaces in between. Let's, let's start with, right there, right? That there are walls and bridges. There are ways to have to get around. Like, I am not going to do anything before 8 in the morning. My wife does most of the morning stuff with my kid, like, pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do the afternoon stuff, uh, and then she does more work because <laughs> she's the best. But that's, that's, my day is described in some ways, or what's the word I'm looking for? It's sort of, um, buffeted on these two coasts. On the one hand, it's like there's the morning part where now I don't want to have a call at six in the morning. Thank you very much. I'm on the West Coast. It's actually, it's nine o'clock there, but it's six o'clock here. I know you don't have other time zones in the East, but just so you know, you got to be aware of those things. <laughs> and then I know I need to be somewhere at one, two, three, or four o'clock. And that is not movable. And that means in between, I have to take those other blocks and move them around. So am I busy? Not really, because I'm a grown-up. <laughs> I know how much stuff I have to do, and I, I only accept the stuff that I can do, by and large. And then if I get too much stuff, bad on me. Now I'm busy. I don't consider busy... I, I, you know, there's a, million, there's a million reasons why this will be wrong for you at some points in your life. But for me, a constant state of busyness is not a sign that you are doing well. It's a sign that you have not learned a lesson yet, which is that you are not picking your best projects. If you, have, if you have too many best projects, well, then you haven't refactored and thought what your best project is. There are times when you need to hustle. There are times when you need to have four jobs. That happens in life. But just be careful if you want to be a person who grows that you not confuse time constraint with busyness. And so, and that's why to me, it's a really, that's why I try to say, let's put this on the calendar. If we want this to happen, we can't just have bar talk about how it'd be great if this happened. We have to put it on the calendar and then we have to follow up and make sure we can do it. And that means being a grown up about looking at your calendar for the next week and saying, oh my gosh, did I screw anything up? Did I double book anything? Well, you probably didn't if you were actually using your calendar because you're time constrained. And here's what you start to realize. When you are a time-constrained grown-up, what you start to realize is you would prefer not to move blocks around. Because what happens? You're time-constrained, right? So if you move a block from here to there, guess what? There's a pretty good chance, unless it's an extremely light day, there's a pretty good chance that that's going to move other blocks around. So moving one block, let's say an event, a meeting, uh, a podcast recording, a phone call, 
uh, a family event, whatever that is, if that stuff gets moved around too much, you end up moving a lot of other stuff around. And that because that's when it, that's when you get busy, and that's when you find yourself because somebody else isn't thinking about being time constrained and giving you a heads up about something changing. That's when your day gets crazy because somebody else was not looking at the calendar as carefully. I I think so. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll take a break here and let you jump in. But this it seems like this must be germane for you. I suspect it's germane for our listeners. Do you see a distinction between busy and time constrained? Well, I definitely. I mean, I I'm totally on board with the way that you've clarified it, and I think there is. Back to what your your initial point about busy and being like a big shot, I really think that in our society there is this concept of like being busy equals being successful, having lots of things going on and having your hands in a lot of things. That that's an indication that you're doing well and you're doing things right. And if you have spare time or free time and you're spending it doing something other than something that's revenue generating or something that you can Instagram or tweet about that you're, you're doing something wrong that you're, you're right. You're, business, 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 right. right. Or, or <laughs> even if your business is tweeting a lot or posting to Instagram a lot or being on Facebook or whatever it is like, and I, I'm certainly guilty of the working a lot and, you know, be, because I have these certain goals or certain things that I'm working toward or certain things that I want to get done. And it's very real to me to be like, wow, I there's no way that I'm going to get all of this stuff done in a single day. So I will just, you know, I'll, I'll schedule it as full as I can. And I'll get the stuff done. And then the, the backlash from being busy right is that you wind up burning out and that's so different i think from using your time effectively from knowing what you can get done in a mm-hmm. certain day using your skills to know how long things really take to do somebody says well hey let's you know let's let's meet downtown we'll have some lunch and you say okay great how long is lunch well lunch eh, we'll probably be done in about an hour what do you mean how long is lunch it's lunch man we're right. just going to go hang out like you know, for take an hour, whatever. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take an hour because just having lunch with someone back to an earlier show where you define like what is a project, right? That that what what does that mean? That means like, especially in a town that's not a super like, oh, I just walk out of my office and two blocks away is where we're meeting for lunch. No, I've got to go and I've got to get 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 to my car. And I've got to drive the car and hopefully there won't be an accident or something to slow everything down. And then I've got to get downtown. Well, downtown Austin parking really sucks. So there's 15 minutes of driving around until you eventually give up and pay $10 to park in a garage if there's one that's that's open. And then you've got to walk from there, which is four blocks farther away than you thought. You know, right now all right. of a sudden lunch is two and a half hours. Can you really afford to be gone for two and a half hours? What will the repercussions be? If you don't get the stuff done, because guess what? Your kids are still going to be waiting for you at six o'clock to have dinner, whether you took a two and a half hour lunch or not. You know, so all of this leads back to that whole concept of like being being busy. But somehow that's still what we see as being uh, the the end goal. The end goal is being busy. It's not accomplishing things. It's not getting stuff. done. And I think that's where a big flaw for I always hear, you know, people, oh, man. He's too busy. You know what he's up to? Or gosh, she's she's so busy. They say it like a, it's a compliment. You know, like the goal oh, is I to know, be like busy. Like you finally arrived. Like now, <laughs> your your hypertension can finally really take its final form. Right. 
And then people who don't, who are, aren't busy, who are used to being busy, and then they aren't busy, like they don't know what to do with themselves. Like the idea of just spending a, a day just sitting, sitting around, walking around, looking at, looking at a book or reading something. You know, like I was so excited when I was talking to my boy about what he wanted for Christmas. And he, uh, he, he said, oh, you know, there's some graphic novels that I really want. And he's like sitting, reading. He's not on his iPad. He's not having to watch TV. He's just, he'll choose to read. And to me, reading is one of these things that I very much see as still like a leisure activity. But there was a long period of time when people didn't have computers on their desk. And a big part of what they spent doing in their day as part of their work was reading and writing. Two things that we don't think of as they're like leisure things, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I feel like we're, the whole thinking that we have before we can even get to your points have to do with this kind of flawed perception of what busy is. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I absolutely do. Uh, and what it's, the it's, goal should be. It's become something we really fetishize. Yes. Don't you think? It, absolutely. It starts, well, yeah, boy, and so many angles on this. I mean, one is, um, you know, like you say, that it sometimes feels like the goal in life is to become busy because you never meet successful people who aren't constantly talking about how busy they are. And busy also then has the connotation of being fully booked, right? Which is great. Like that means that like you have all the work that you can handle or, you know, you think like you're like uh, somebody on shark tank and like, you got to answer now because like, I'm busy. Like, like I've got lots of other opportunities I could take. Those are all, those are all meaningful things. Um, but I, I do think, I do think it's worth being a little bit careful with whether that's what we really want, as you say, what we want to be, not least because things like reading and writing and all that other stuff are actually really important. Right. And like, not to make it, not to make it too, uh, you know, too weird here, but like, I think <clears throat> I don't like to talk too much about values because I think people usually abuse what that means. But if you do have values about how you want to spend your day and consequently spend your life, then you, I think you should accept and acknowledge and accept that being busy all the time is not an optimal state, unless unless that is what your value is and that makes you happy. But in order to leave room, on the one hand, leave room for the stuff that will come up that you'd like to take advantage of, you need to not be busy all the yes, time. Yes, yes. And second, just to account for the basic fact that there are times when things go wrong or when things come up, you, I think you have to allow a cushion for that. The cushion that I allow for that is really large and it makes me look lazy, but that's okay. Like I, I would prefer to be lazy like that. And I do schedule things like days and half days off because that makes me feel rejuvenated. So I'll push real hard for a little bit and then take a little break and then come back. And that's, that's really important to me. But here's one to think about when you get the busy people, you get, this is where this, this is the real clash of demon head is you get the busy people versus the time constrained people. And think about this. Have you ever been in a showdown with people about who's busier and they're <laughs> trying to schedule something and being the person who is the self-declared busy person, that's your get out of jail free card for whatever. Like you can just say like, Oh no, I can't, that doesn't work for me that day. I'm busy. I'm really busy right now, which is okay. But then what does that do? That puts all the onus on the, like so many things and every goddamn office and team, the most considerate, thoughtful and responsible people are the ones who have to carry the water for all the dinglings who think that they're thought leaders. So when you be careful, before you start yelling out how busy you are, think about the impact that had that has on the people around you, because that may not be a big deal. Like if you really are like the most important person in the company, well, okay, fine. We'll schedule the meetings around you, but then you sure as dookie better be there on time <laughs> mm -hmm. and prepared mm -hmm. because everybody else in that room has a life too. 
and you, they have agreed to follow your, you know, oh, you're the important alpha male in this group. So now we're all going to deal with whatever your problem is. So that's why I say like, you know, there's a phrase I've used on here a bunch of times. When I was roommates in college with my very good friend, Michael Ferguson, and I, I think I, I know I've told you this before, but Michael used to uh, break up all the bills down to the penny every month. So the three of us would each pay an extra penny every alternate month to make it even. And finally, I, just, I was like, Michael, man, you do not have to do this level of accounting. I trust you implicitly. <laughs> and he was like, you don't understand. He says, he says, there's one number. There's one number. When it comes to money, there's one number. And once you know what that one number is, you never have to discuss it again. I know I've had this conversation with you probably the first time we talked about this show. Right. There's, and w- once you got the one number, you never have to talk about it again. Think about, think about that for money. Like people are reluctant to talk about money because they think it's uncouth, but then they're constantly kind of wondering about money until they talk about money and then it's too late because you're already engaged in the project. <laughs> talk about the money early on and decide whether you're even in the same ballpark because there's only one number and ditto for time. This is not an impossible problem to solve. We just need to find a time when we can both do this and commit to this. And then if we can't do it, we have to have a way to communicate with each other in a way that's grown up. I don't mean to sound quite as frustrated as I am. I'm not frustrated because people cancel and move things on me so much as I'm frustrated at the implicit pushback that I get about this being uh, a potentially very useful way to conduct your life. And so that's why I want to put it out there. Also, I, I do think words are important. Uh, I'm looking at the web page for Lewis Fry Richardson, and now I'm looking at the page for, have you ever heard the, I mentioned this on um, the latest episode of Top Scallops that will come out soon, but have you ever heard the coastline paradox? It's kind of a Mandelbrot thing, where the idea is that if you want to, if you are trying to measure the coastline of, uh, of Britain, it'll vary enormously based on a fairly small change in how large the section that you're measuring is. So one way to think of it is if you measured the coastline of England using a yardstick, well, obviously that would take a long time, uh, versus using a ruler, you would get a very different result. And this is, you know, getting into fractals and stuff <laughs> because there's so much contour to the curve. If you look, oh, it's, so it's in the show notes, coastline paradox, but you see how even a relatively small change in the size of your measuring tool in this case will completely change the results. And I think that is the same kind of thinking that differentiates project-oriented people versus random flippity-jibbity run around like a chicken with your head cut off people, is that we realize this stuff is hard, and we realize this stuff is complicated, and we realize that it's almost a certainty that there are going to be changes that potentially double, triple, quadruple, or quintuple the complexity of this project. Because we've been through, so scheduling lunch, can it? that's a project. Right. Let's treat it like a project. Because if we don't, then we don't really care, right? That's And to me, that's the thing. Is like when you start, like we talked about with projects not too long ago, you know, that's, that's the coastline paradox. Is you start going, well, oh, it's just a button. Well, no, it's not really just a button because where are the assets for this? And have we talked to the server people? And how does this change the database if we have this new kind of object, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? The person who's responsible for all those details is somebody who's been burnt by the just a button guy who thinks that the coastline can be measured <laughs> with just yardsticks. Right. So I think once you've been burned and if you do decide to undertake a practice of being a, a, willfully time-constrained person, I think you get picky about that because you should be, is the thing. <laughs> that's really that's, that's really all I wanted that's to say. That's a lot. That's good. I think, uh, I think words matter. Words I'm matter. not great at it, but, uh, but I think it does matter. <sighs> business, business, business. Business, busy. Busy, busy, Busyness. Busy. Busyness. 
Um, so that's really all I got. I like it though. How are you? How are you, doing? you? How are you holding on? Um, I'm a little congested, and uh, and you know my back doesn't hurt too much. Maybe I'll have some more coffee. What do I have to do today? I still got to do more podcast things. Are you temping? Huh? Oh, uh, you keep saying that it confuses me. No, I I feel a little warm, but I should put in SpongeBob just to be sure. Yeah, I want. I, I kind of want you to keep you know like a journal of it, and you could put that, take a photo of it, put it up on the. Uh... That's not going to happen, but that would be a good thing for Shark Tank. A um, that would be a good thing, which I'm now obsessed with. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, is a a uh, some kind of a, you know? I bet they already have this. I bet they already have this. There's got to be a sure. Bluetooth thermometer. Blue, blue, Bluetooth thermometer. Hi, can I ask you a question? Is your head hot, greasy, cool, distant, McDLT? Before you answer, the gri- have you thought about the Bluetooth? <laughs> there are some. There's a lot. Are there? Yeah, most of them oh. are for cooking. But I'm sure you oh, could light sure. pack that to to work. I do not like the Innova app on the phone. It is really weird. Well, I think it's geared toward recipes and the choosing of a recipe and then the hitting of one button and now the it turns it off really easily yeah, I don't have like you noticed it. that yeah I don't like it. it's really i mean like if you change you think about it it like turns it off it's like weird it. um okay well i guess that's good for this week huh yeah thank our uh, three sponsors for this week casper fresh books and go to webinar you want to tell people where they can find those things uh freshbooks.com slash back to work casper.com slash back to work and go to webinar.com by itself. All right. Thank you very much to our sponsors. And thank you very much to our listeners. We are probably back for our 251st episode. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a reboot, reboot full reboot. I'm worried, Dan. I think, I think, I think, I think people think it's real. No. And these jackals out here keep talking about it. They're jackals. Yeah, they've let it go. Yeah, let it go. Hakuna Matata. I feel bad for the one guy who unsubscribed before the final episode was able to air, but. He didn't want to accidentally get charged. Sorry. It's like the, we're the Apple Music of podcasts. I will not pay this fine that I've incurred. <laughs> All right, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man. Feel better. Thank you. Buck.